0: My name is Sean, as he said, one of the associate pastors here, and um, we are continuing in our series in Romans chapter 8, where a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Corey did a a great job of just really helping us to understand verse 1 and 2 about what it means that now, therefore, there's no condemnation for us as believers. Remember, the book of Romans is written to Christians and so there's an expectation and there's a thought underneath that we have accepted the free gift um, that comes through Jesus Christ, through faith alone, through the work that he did on the cross. And so we can stand in, in such a position where we are no longer condemned. Um, and really to be able to really capture that for us is important that you kind of zoom out and kind of think of eternal things. One exercise that I do is I kind of like to look at a timeline. If you will, just kind of imagine with me a timeline with kind of on your left side, it starts at zero. And then on the right is 100. In our lives, whether 80, 90, 100 years kind of fill up that timeline. But as you continue to think about the timeline and you zoom out, if you allow that zero on your left and then it goes to a million on the right. The 100 years becomes extremely insignificant. How much so if you zoom out where there's eternity, where that right line never ends. And so Paul has in view this eternal perspective that he's inviting us. The Holy Spirit is inviting us to recognize because we have no condemnation. We stand in a position where for the eternal portion of our existence, not this 80, 90, 100 years, which is like a vapor. In comparison to eternity, that we can truly celebrate the fact that we will not stand condemned before the king of kings on that judgment day. Pastor AJ did an excellent job following that up in really helping us to understand that. The position we were in, similar to what Paul says in Romans 1, that we were, um, the wrath of God is being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. That we were in a position where we had no desire truly to please God. That we couldn't do it. That it was fundamentally our makeup because of Adam and, and, and the sin that we were born into, we could not please God. We were not capable of doing that. So he does an excellent job. Pastor AJ did an excellent job of helping us to understand the ramifications of that, helping us to look through various scriptures in the Old Testament to really point out that this isn't just us in this present age, but this is a humanity problem. And that there is a God who has been seeing it all and has laid out a plan. Even We see it even in the garden when, when he says that the seed of of Eve would crush the head of the serpent that that plan was already laid out that we would come to a space of salvation and so today we're going to kind of look at some of the assurances that come from what God has done through sending Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh and condemning sin Um, what is what does that mean for us as believers there's some assurances I believe that we'll find in In verses 9 through 11, that should help us, especially when we think of an eternal perspective, to really rejoice in what God has done. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for an opportunity to share your word. Um, As we are studying chapter 8 of what you revealed through the Apostle Paul, Lord God, we're asking that you would renew our mind to these realities and that you would help transform us in such a way that we look more and more like Christ Please use me as a tool to communicate. I ask, Lord God, that you would treat me as a a carpenter uses a hammer um, to get the point across, Lord God. They need to hear from you and not from me. And so um, we we look forward to the change that you will work on the inside of us in the name of Jesus. amen. 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 Romans 8 verse 9 reads, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. As we begin to ponder what, what is Paul talking about in verse 9, let me remind you of what he's actually said. Not just an overview, but starting at verse 7, he says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Kind of a reminder of the condition that one is in when they're in the flesh. Um, but it also kind of speaks to this tension that we have that kind of wars on the inside of us. Paul talks about it in Galatians 5 in saying that the flesh wars against the spirit. And so there's kind of this this already not yet tension that we're in. It's true that the no condemnation that we experience is now in, in terms of justification. Um, and, and it's true that the Holy Spirit has been sent um, not only to 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 be a guarantee of that. Um, justification, but also to help us in this sanctification process um, that we experience in the here and now. Though when we are with him, we'll be made like him. And so that tension will be taken away. But I thought something was really interesting because the, the apostle he shifts gears and he starts off with the word you, which made me begin to ponder. The reality is we have something deeply seated in us in terms of that sin nature that we have. And as he's kind of giving this idea of setting the mind on the flesh versus setting the mind on God or on the spirit, I would imagine some of us were like, oh, man, I feel like I'm, my mind is set on the flesh. Like, is there any hope for me? And the interesting thing is, is that that kind of. Dynamic that works on the inside of us puts us back into a works, re, works, reward type of disposition towards God. Oh, man, I got to I got to get my mind right. I got to I got to I got to set out certain plans and I'll, I'll do reading plans. I'll, I'll 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 make sure I fast and stuff like that. And we start to, as, as, as Pastor Corey said, we start to look at the law again and use it as a ladder trying to get back to God. It's a subtle thing. But it's something that really does happen on the inside of us if we're honest about it. And so the apostle understanding that or the genius of the Holy Spirit awakening that an apostle. Look at what he says. He says you. Good. Meaning that the listeners. Those who were in Rome. Subsequently us sitting here. I need your attention. Yeah. Don't drift off back into that old mindset. That there is something fresh and new that you need to recognize. You. See how personal it is. The Holy Spirit. The triune God didn't just save masses of people, but he saved you. Son, you, daughter. Even in the, the womb of your mother, he had already started to lay out plans for your life. The purposes that he has for you. Even before the foundation of the earth, it says in Ephesians, that we were chosen. You were chosen. Not because you did something so great, because of how much he loved you. So he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. See, as he laid out this kind of the mindset on the flesh leads to death, at least to hostility, it puts you in a position where you cannot please God. He's using that kind of language and he kind of sums it up and saying that's in the flesh. But he says, you are not in the flesh. Reminding us that it wasn't ourselves who got us in this place of salvation. We didn't do something to earn this status of having no condemnation against us. That it was a work that he did. So you are in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God Dwells in you. The great evidence, the great proof that we've been taken out of the flesh and put into the spirit is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That he dwells on the inside of you. Now, I I, I remember kind of like as a younger, probably like in my college years, after my college years, I, I was really into Dragon Ball. Um, Z, which is the cartoon the anime and stuff like that, and, yeah I, I mean, I still watch it every now and then if I <laughs> it's, it's cool man it, I, I like it. and the thing in it is that when they would power up, it was like it was like there was like this glow that comes on so it just made me think of oh man, I forgot the name of the movie um where my man Bruce Leroy was in that, but there was like the last dragon yeah, yeah yeah. Um, I mean, that was a cult classic. So if you're not aware of that, you just you don't know. But (laughs) there was like this in whether it's in Last Dragon or in Dragon Ball Z, there's this kind of glow that will come upon them as they are powering up. And I was just like, imagine like, man, if I'm indwelt by the spirit, will there be like some type of supernatural, maybe enhancing of muscles or maybe there'll be like my hair would grow or something that would be, you know, like that would be very evident that the Holy Spirit was on the inside of me. The reality is that's not the case. It's found back in as he was describing the flesh. In this hostility towards God. That when the spirit has come up and made residency or taken up residency on the inside of you, you now have an ability to actually please God. You now actually have this kind of sense of, man, I really missed the mark. Daddy, please forgive me. You know, before that you could sin and you may recognize that something was wrong, but the reality is you could just keep on. At least that was my life in sin. I didn't, I thought about how to do it better next week. There was no like I need to stop doing that and go in a different direction. It's man, how can we do that better? Or how can we do it longer? Or how can we do that down in Atlanta as opposed to in North Carolina? That I was pursuing this life that was unpleasing to God. It was it was kind of something deep within me that I had no desire to please God. Back to Romans 1, as as as, as Paul is saying, that the, the wrath of God is being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Ungodliness is this, this kind of disposition where I have no desire to please God at all. And as Pastor AJ so wonderfully pointed out, that condition, that type of mindset... Puts us in a space where we cannot please God. We, our flesh does not even want to please God. The indwelling, the, the, the Holy Spirit coming into you and, and taking up residence there. Not like, say, Samson. Where in Samson's life, if you look at his account in Judges, he, he had this supernatural power. That's kind of like maybe where some of my thought pattern came from. That, I mean, you know, God, come on me like Samson or, or like um, Goku. Or like my man, Bruce Leroy. I want to catch bullets with my teeth as well. (laughs) When we think about Samson in his life and he he discovered that God's anointing was on him and that there was a supernatural strength that he had. There was a moment that came in his life through his disobedience or when his hair was cut. The presence was gone and he didn't recognize it. And Paul is saying that the spirit will live on the inside of you. He lives in us. Once again, back to what I started off with this disposition to think that somehow it's works reward type of relationship with God that man, when I fall, when I miss it, God is going to kind of skate and he's not going to have anything to do with me anymore. That is a lie from the pit of hell. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell on the inside of you. and So there is an assurance that we have, though it can be confusing at times because the things that I want to do, I don't seem to do it because now there is no condemnation for me. I can rest assured that even if I fall short, I'm not kicked out of the family. I don't need to have to earn my way back into the family, but that the the sacrifice, the price that Jesus paid was sufficient even for my future sins, past, present and future sins. What a glorious, glorious thing that Paul is unpacking to us because how often we've kind of looked ourselves in the mirror and, and thought that I'm just not worthy enough for God. And thus I separate myself similar to Adam and and hide and, and try to, you know, put myself in a position where he can't find me, as foolish as that may sound. But that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, the Spirit of God, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, then look at how he changes. He says anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. He's not saying you don't have the Christ. But he says, if anybody who's in a position that they don't have the spirit of Christ. Jesus says that they don't belong to him. Scripture is telling us that they don't belong to him. This is really, really significant because often people will espouse certain Christian views and say that they're Christians. um, But if there's no evidence, the, 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 the presence of the Holy Spirit is evidenced by his fruit. That there should be fruit in your life of this relationship. Um, One of the the German scholars, his name is escaping me right now, but he kind of talks about this idea that fruit that comes up on a tree, the tree has no idea why that orange is there. It's just being a tree. It's just taking in water, drinking and living and the fruit comes. And it's similar to us as believers when we we have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're not in the flesh, but we're in the spirit because the spirit dwells inside of us. Thus showing his ownership of us. He begins to kind of discipline us. He, He 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 grooms us in such a way that our lives will produce fruit. And that there will be changes that will be made or will come about simply because of the relationship, the intimacy that we have with the Father. This is one of the reasons why I believe Bishop Brett always says, read your Bible every day. Because it's hard to connect to this relationship if you're not intimately um, abiding in his word. Jesus says in John 8 that if you abide in, in my word, you are my disciples and you'll know truth and the truth will set you free. And so that fruit that will be produced out of that intimate relationship really is the sign of what a real believer is, as opposed to someone just professing it. Like you've ever been in someone's house or maybe to an office and you see that fake plastic fruit that's there. We need to be more fruit inspectors. <laughs> now That's plastic, bro. That ain't the real deal. <laughs> I'm just saying it right now, but I know the real you. Or are we seeing real fruit and and it's not about going around and looking at others. But man, what is the fruit? What is being evidenced in your life? It's just amazing how Paul and the Holy Spirit is, is helping us to move away from this mindset that we can be entrenched in where we think we have to work for the love of God. And he's helping us to see that, no, no, the initiative was taken by God himself. He's come to dwell on the inside of you, you, not just everybody, not just anybody, but you. He's come to dwell on the inside of you. And because of that, you are no longer in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. That's a holy assurance when we think about that eternal perspective that there is assurance that we will no longer face condemnation from God. We are we, not in a, in a space where, where we're not, we don't have peace with God, but we have it and we'll have it for eternity. John 14, 16 says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. The assurance of what Jesus said to the, to the, to, to the disciples is, is what we experience now because the helper, the paraclete has come to live on the inside of us. Paul says in another space in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. As we, we, we've we looked already at this um, um, in an earlier session and in, 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 in earlier verses in chapter eight, where he says that he sent Christ or sent Jesus um, to condemn sin in the flesh. That was the that was the price that it cost for him to purchase you back to himself. And so we, we don't look at that as um, a, a way to to earn God's love. Uh, but uh, Excuse me. The way we respond to that is that we respond to God in love because of what he has done for us. So we walk in obedience for that. It's in response to that. Like I don't not cheat on my wife. Because I got married. I don't want to be with any other woman. Because of the love that she has given to me. I do not want to lose that love. And it's the same thing with God. It's not that we are living by the law again. And we become obedient. So that we don't transgress the law. We're obedient. Because we don't want to violate the one who loves our soul so much. It becomes more about not hurting him. Than just kind of following the law and, and thus creating some level of self-righteousness. Belonging to God. Finding that the spirit dwells on the inside of you. That intimacy that's there. The foretaste that we have of, of the future um, uh, 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 glory that we will have. And being in the presence of God. We are experiencing it now. You know, Paul says in Romans 6 that. The wages of sin is death, and the free gift of God is eternal life. Jesus in John 17 talks about eternal life was in the knowing of the Father. We experience that now through this indwelling of the Spirit of God. He is on the inside of us, and that when we don't ignore Him, but we walk in step with Him, as we'll see further into this chapter, that we will really be be Start to reveal what it means to be a son or a daughter of God. It's through this intimacy that we can really set our minds on the things of the spirit. Because he will remind us of passages. He'll help us to understand to go left instead of right. To take this job or not that job. Our mind is set on him. He helps us in this process of living out this life that, that God so desires for us. And so there is assurance. I believe that verse nine is really pointing to this assurance um, that we are not in the flesh because the spirit dwells on the inside of us. Verse 10 and 11 begin to show the assurance that we have of a glorified body. So Paul is, is kind of taken us through this idea of the mindset on the flesh versus the mindset on God. He's assured us that we are not in the flesh, but we are in the spirit. And he's given us another idea of what it means, um, what, what all this means, what are the implications of what God did in condemning sin in the flesh. Until so verse 10 says, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. This kind of idea, I believe Paul is, is kind of hearkening back to something that he said in chapter five of Romans, verse 17. He says, for if because of one man's trespass, death reign through that man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. In that discourse, we see kind of this comparing of the first Adam and the second Adam. And the reality is, is that the first Adam, his sin, what he we have inherited is these mortal bodies. That we're all dying. I mean, it's just the reality of it. You know, there, there was a, a time where I, I remember when I was younger and I was in much, much better shape um, and, and I was chasing hoop dreams, and I was in the military, and so I was trying out for the base team because I heard they traveled, and so I'm, you know, I'm playing, and we go through a basketball drill, and God tries to throw me a, a pass, and he throws it kind of behind me, and I tear my ACL. And I just fell like a bag of bricks. And my genius coach was like, man, why don't you go sit in the hot tub? It'll help it feel better. I'm like, man, you crazy. Something <laughs> wrong with my knee, man? <laughs> Kind of fast forward maybe like four or five years, 20, 30 extra pounds that have been put on because my my hoop dreams died. I'm over at a friend's house, and there's a dog that she has who has gotten a lot older and didn't remember me. And, you know, sometimes a dog will bark, but then there are other times when he barks, you're like, oh, he's coming for me. (laughs) The reason why I bring that up is because when I had my hoop dreams, I could jump a little bit. You know, like the particular play that I got hurt on, a guy was driving to the basket. He tried to go um, to the rim and I smashed the ball against the backboard like, what are you testing me for, man? Don't even try me like that. We go back on the break and he throws the ball and I tear my knee up. I used to be able to jump. But when that dog was coming and I was by this pickup truck, I was trying to recall those jumping powers so I could get myself on the flatbed in front of me. Your boy was struggling. I was able to get up. <laughs> My stomach was hanging that there. I had to fall into the truck. My friend Katise was laughing at me. <laughs> she was like, yeah, she was going to bite you. Her dog was going to bite me. Um, but, bruh, what happened, man? <laughs> Our bodies are decaying. We, we're subject to injuries. We're We're, we're, we're mortal. We, we are not the same. There, there, there is something that's changing. That was from Adam. That is the death that Paul is talking about here in verse 10. But there's life that comes in relationship to the spirit. And our spirits have been awakened, have been revived, have been made alive. And we're in intimate relationship with God. But this leads to what he's saying in verse 11, which I just find so Wonderful. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. That righteous act that Jesus who lived the life that we should have lived, died the death that we should have died, rose from the dead on the third day, proving he's the son of God. That that gospel message that we like to share was an act of righteousness. And through that act of righteousness, life has come. Life for our spirits. But in addition to that, he says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 2007, January. um, My father, he is getting ready to go to the Virgin Islands to preach. He was a pastor. I didn't grow up with him, so I'm not kind of your traditional PK, but... um, It was was just amazing. God had radically saved him in the 80s, 90s time frame, and he was preaching, he was taking the message on an international trip, right? That was in January. He discovered that he has cancer, and by May, he had lost 40, 50 pounds. He didn't even have the strength to come to church anymore, and unfortunately, in May, he passed away. This gives me hope. That not only will I see my father again, but my daddy's going to be strong again. That he's not going to have that weak, frail body that he had in the past. That the, 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 the effects of sin would no longer reign supreme in his body any longer. That God would transform him into giving him a heavenly body. I mean, we, we, we see it a little bit in scripture when we see that Jesus as he he's after his resurrection he, and encounters some of the disciples and he's walking through doors. But he has his wounds and he's eating food, but he's he's able to just be here and there and everywhere that there's something exciting. There's something glorious about that. And it's because the Holy Spirit has come to dwell on the inside of us that we can have hope for these future bodies. We can have hope because he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Meaning there's something about me and the personality and the way he's designed me that I will receive this glorious body as well. That would be unique to me. That should give hope. It should help us to, to, to recognize that, you know, there, there, there are issues that maybe some of us are facing. Man, I, Maybe you deal with diabetes, or you know somebody who is in a wheelchair. There's a lot of different issues and things that, that kind of remind us that this body is decaying, that it's it's dying, and we have friends like that. We have the opportunity to share with them the hope of something much greater. Remember what we talked about, the the hundred years is extremely insignificant compared to eternity. And that in eternity, my brother or sister won't have to battle cancer either. That you can live for God now in, in this space of, 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 of maybe you not having the type of vision that you wish you would have. Or, or maybe there's some ailment that you're dealing with. That you can still live and bring glory to God because you know that one day it's going to be different. That, that God's going to restore. Not just, he's not going to restore. He's going to give me a new body. A glorious body. That will not be with sin. That I don't have to deal with this tension any longer. Of me being pulled by my desires to, to go to the left when God is saying go to the right. That I won't have to fast and, and, and you know, try to kill this flesh. That my flesh will cooperate with me in bringing glory to the king. And I don't have to put it under subjection. I mean, this is, this is a glorious truth. If you have a loved one or you have a family member or you're dealing with something yourself, that though in this life it it may not be comfortable, it may not be easy, but for eternity, I will have something much greater. Paul in Romans 8 is trying to help us to zoom out, us in particular. I I would say the Holy Spirit is trying to help us to zoom out because I think it's easy for us to zoom in and, and see the trees and not catch the forest. But that like as we go through this chapter, it's important that we zoom out and remember that Paul is holding an eternal perspective. Maybe one of the things that he's battling when we think about the the Bible is that Greek thought was that the body was evil and that the spirit was good and that there would be a separation there and that we would kind of just be these disembodied spirits. Maybe that's a part of why he is laying that out. But that truth is glorious for us as well, because it also means that the ailments, the frailties that we see in our mortal bodies will not last forever. That in this short time, this life as a vapor, maybe God does choose to to, to bring about healing. But even if he doesn't, I know that he will um, as I move into glory. There's this thought about this intimacy with the Holy Spirit that this professor Craig Keener he says that I thought was really good. It's kind of like building on the idea of Ephesians one thirteen, which also another way Paul says that the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance. Um, Ephesians 1.13 says in him, you also when you have when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we, we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Listen to this from Craig Kinger. The future reality invades our lives by the spirit. The spirit is promised for the future age. But through him, we can taste God's presence and power in our lives in the present. That is why Paul speaks of the spirit as the down payment of our future inheritance. The Greek word sometimes rendered down payment here was used in ancient business documents for the first installment no mere verbal guarantee it is the beginning experience of what is promised by experiencing the spirit we are experiencing a foretaste of the glories of the coming world in god's presence through the spirit we have a foretaste of the beautiful intimacy that we shall that we will share with god through all the ages of eternity it's not a small or light thing that the Holy Spirit has come to make take up residence on the inside of you. It's a tremendous, glorious thing. It's a foretaste of something that we will get more and more of um, in the future. This, this should be a reminder that, man, we need to take advantage of spending time with the Holy Spirit. Not just looking for him to bless us with something, but truly... Taking advantage of just being in his presence. And this is what Moses and David and Elijah, and this, these guys, and they look forward to this day. And how much of a shame is it if we live so far beneath, so far beneath what God has made available to us? If it's just about kind of, God, bless me, I need a new car, or I, I need this job, or God, can you do something about this person because I don't really like them, or I don't like the way they're treating me. God, we, we don't need this president or, or, or that president. or God, we, 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 there are so many things we go to him, and he, he says, you know, come and, 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 and make those requests known to him. But how much better is it if we take advantage of eternal life in the here and now? That, that, that we really can take a disposition that, you know, death, you don't have any sting anymore. You know, Paul said that, it, it, that, that whether he lives or he dies, he, he wasn't sure which was better. Because to die, he would be in the presence of, of, of God. How, I mean, is that our disposition? Many of us fear. I know I have had fear of death. I didn't really, I haven't, maybe I haven't been taking enough advantage of the, the, of the opportunity that I have to go boldly before the throne room. And because God condemns sin in the flesh through Jesus, man, the Holy Spirit has come to dwell on the inside of us. And because he dwells on the inside of us, we know that we are in him and not in the flesh. And there is assurance of that and assurance of our future state. Because of the great work that he has done. You know, I would be amiss to not go back to, to what Paul says in verse 9. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. If we can just close our eyes and bow, bow our heads. You know, we listen to these truths And there are moments where God really presents himself as he's knocking at the door of your heart. If if you can't attest to the idea that the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ is dwelling on the inside of you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept the free gift of eternal life through Jesus. So if that's you, if maybe you at home, if that's you, can you raise your hand or Press the button that indicates that you would like to come into a saving relationship with Christ. Is there anyone here like that? Amen. If that is you and there is, you're maybe at home and and you would like to um, figure out what does it mean to be a believer? Um, We offer a Discover Discipleship class every week on Sundays. Um, You just need to get in contact with us. We have some information that should be posted up as far as um, texting and how you can do that. Or um, if you hit the, the raise your hand button that someone will communicate with you. But if you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, I ask that you will pray with me now. Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice that you've made on my behalf. Thank you for condemning sin in the flesh through your shed blood at Calvary. I ask you to forgive me for the sins that I've committed against you. And I pray, Father God, that you will help me to move in a relationship with you that will result, result in you being glorified and me being saved from the rightful punishment I deserved. I give you honor and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys have a great night.